All right, track down a Bible. And uh, we're in the book of Proverbs right now. And now we're in a section of the book where we're kind of gathering. It, it, if you read Proverbs, they're just kind of one-off little sentences. And uh, you can recognize that you might be talking about within one page, you could talk about maybe 20 different things. So now what we're doing is we're going through the remainder of the chapters and we're kind of pulling in things that all speak to one particular issue, one topic. And today we're dealing with emotion. So let me pray and then we'll get to work. Lord, we ask right now for a blessing on this time. We pray that by your spirit, through your word, you would speak to each of us. You would help us. You would help us to know who you are and what you've done, and you would help us to know ourselves even better so that we might align our lives to the reality of who you are. So help us to do that, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. B.B. Warfield wrote an essay called The Emotional Life of Christ. In it, he goes through the Gospels, and he looks at all of the different emotional responses of Jesus Christ. And he concluded the main emotion of, of the Lord was compassion. That if you look at the gospel accounts and you just kind of tally it up and you consider what was the main emotional way in which the Lord responded to the world, the main one is compassion. But what's interesting about that essay is when you begin to look at not just one emotion, but the whole range of emotions that he experienced, it's actually quite surprising and beautiful. I'll give you a sampling of them here. Um... I messed up. I sent the wrong verse to the tech team. But the first one is compassion. And it's Matthew 9.36. or 9, If they put it up there, it's actually the wrong verse. But here's what happens. Matthew 9.36, the Lord looks at a crowd, and he sees them, and he lays eyes on them, and his heart is moved. And he actually has compassion on that crowd. Uh, there are other instances where he does similar things, like Luke 19:41, where he approaches Jerusalem. This is at the end of his earthly ministry and his earthly life, and he looks at the city and he weeps over it. He looks at Jerusalem. He's aware that he's going there and that he's going to be handed over to be executed, and he looks at the city that he knows these people are receiving the gospel invitation to hear and respond and believe, but he knows that they will reject him. And he looks on that city with with compassion, and he weeps. So he has compassion, but he also has anger. You'll see in the gospel accounts where there are times where he is provoked to anger. Mark 3, 5 puts it like this. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn heart. He's able to have an anger going on inside of him, but he's not sinning. He's angry. He's emotionally engaged in a moment, and it's totally appropriate because he's looking at something that is not as it should be, and the appropriate response in that moment is for him to be angry or um, irritated. Mark 16, verse 14, later Jesus appeared to the eleven. As they were eating, he rebuked, the, he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. I think there are instances in the gospel accounts where you look at the Lord and you see how he's dealing with people, and you can almost... If you're paying attention, you can almost sense that he's irritated. Uh, and he's doing that without sinning. But he's recognizing what's going on around him, and he's responding in that moment emotionally in a way that's appropriate. 
Or how about sorrow? Matthew 26, verse 38. He, he's, uh, he's praying and he says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He, he's, he's experiencing something in that moment and he's so emotionally attuned in that moment that he's able to say, my soul is experiencing sorrow at the deepest of levels to the point of death itself. Isaiah, the prophet, he foretold this. He said, he will be a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. So he knows sadness and he knows how to experience that and express that in a way that is absolutely appropriate. He also expressed the, the feeling of joy. Look at John 15, 11. He says, talking to his disciples, he says, I've told you this, these different things. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. He experienced joy. He experienced the gladness of what God had in store for him. In fact, the writer to the Hebrews puts it like this. It was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. So he experienced joy. What, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to show you Jesus Christ had all kinds of different emotions. He felt things. And when he felt things, it was perfectly appropriate to the situation that was going on around him. So he was able to feel all of the feelings and to do that in the right way. So when we think about our Christianity and we think about our emotions, we can't set them aside and go, this must be something else. If we're being true to form, if we're being true to follow the Lord, we have to think through, how can I get my emotions to match up with what he desires for me? How can my emotions be attuned to the things of God? I was leading a Bible study when I was a youth pastor, and we were going through the book of Deuteronomy, and I was loving it. I was having so much fun doing it. Deuteronomy is a beautiful book. It talks about how to live life in a relationship with a redeeming God. And I'm going through it, and I'm sitting with the students. And one morning, we're doing our study, and a young woman was sitting there, and her eyes filled up with tears, and she was just kind of whimpering while I'm doing this Bible study with them. And finally, I get to the point where I say, uh, Marissa, wh what's up? And she begins to kind of offload. We're studying this book, and all I can think about are my friends that don't know the Lord. And all I can think about are these things that we keep talking about and how if my friends don't come to believe in God in that saving way, they won't experience this. And, and it dawned on me in that moment, she was more emotionally attuned to God than I was. Okay, uh, a high school student was teaching me that, that there is this response that ought to happen and she's having it happen and I'm clueless, right? I'm going through the study. I'm doing a good job of trying to explain what's there and apply it and do these different things. But then I realized you can be accurate in describing the information of the Bible, but you can be inaccurate in feeling what you ought to feel. Our emotions need to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We have to submit our emotions to God's desire and his design for us. And if we don't do this, we're we're missing out on this huge aspect of the Christian experience. God is concerned with conforming the entirety of our lives to his will. So emotions are not some elective option for us. That we do church and we talk about all kinds of different stuff and then emotions are just kind of off on the side and maybe we get to them or maybe not. Emotions are actually something that the Lord wants us to 
bring under submission to his lordship. So we need to pay attention to it. And the book of Proverbs does that. Proverbs brings out all these different emotional things that are going on. And it tells us this is, this is something that is very practical that we need to pay attention to. So we're going to go through Proverbs now, and I'm going to give you some insights. I'm going to give you some insights that we can glean from the book of Proverbs. And then what I want to do toward the end is look at one specific emotion, anger. And I want to look at that and, and think through how do we change our emotion? How do we allow our emotions to align with God? And I think anger serves as a good platform to do that. So let's get to work. First off, one of the things we find out in the book of Proverbs is that the emotional inner life is essential. Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Above everything else, here's what you need to do. Pay attention to your inner life. You've got a heart. That heart is the command center of your life. So you better be attentive to it. You better be aware of what's going on inside of you because everything you do flows out of that. So if you don't know what's happening on the inside, your life could be chaos and, and you would have no clue how to deal with it. You need to be aware of what's going on on the inside so that you might allow it to be conformed to the image of Christ. You need to guard your heart. So it's not just being aware, but it's also posting watch. There are things that could happen to you. There are things that are around you that you need to be aware of, how they affect you, how they are influencing you, how they are making you feel, because all of that is very, very important. Your emotional inner life is essential. You, you live from the inside out. So what's happening in here will affect all of your conversations, all of your relationships, all of your attitudes or the world around you. Your heart is essential. That's the first thing that I note here. Secondly, emotions affect everything. Proverbs 14.30, it says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. A heart at peace actually has a, a therapeutic effect on your physical body. You, you live at peace. You feel, you feel better. But if you experience an, an unhealthy, inordinate emotion like envy, if you have a sinful emotion like envy, here's what's going on on the inside. It is rotting your bones. And physicians will point this out, right? They're aware that there's a connection here. You're, you are an embodied person. So they'll be, looking, they'll be doing an assessment and they'll say, okay, well, your body's kind of falling apart. Let's think through this. Are you experiencing any stress right now? Because they know there's a direct relationship there. If, you're, if you are on the inside experiencing turmoil, your body will start to display that. And, and it'll be affected and it'll be falling apart. And so they, they would say, okay, if you've got stress, that is unhealthy on your physical body. That's how significant this thing is. Emotions affect everything, including your physicality. A happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. If, if you have a, a healthy inner life, it will show on your face. But if you are experiencing turmoil, it will crush your spirit. A happy heart makes your face happy, but a, but, a, but a heartache will crush your spirit. Your, your emotions affect everything. Let me just remind you, uh, I've told this story before, but, but it's worth repeating here. There was a moment early on in the pandemic 
when I got hit by a wave of emotions that was just overwhelming. And I just was flat on the ground. And what I was feeling in that moment was the weight and the gravity of the situation and the difficulties of trying to lead a church through that season. And then watching some of the responses of people to it. And just I just got to a point where I, my physical body was feeling what's being described here. And I just felt, I, I just felt in a way that I've never experienced before. And um, what we need to be able to say then is how significant emotions truly are. That's un, that was unusual for me, never happened before, never happened since. But what we have to come to grips with is what's going on inside of you, it, it affects everything. You can't just be dismissive of your feelings and be like, well, I feel that way, but it's no big deal. This is going on inside of me. I'm, I'm resentful toward this person, but no worries. I don't really express that in any way. Well, if it's in there, it's doing something to you. If it's in there, if you're feeling that, it's not something to be pushed aside as insignificant. That is a big deal. Your emotions affect everything. Proverbs 17:22. a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Now, what I'm trying to point out here from the book of Proverbs is how significant your feelings truly are. If you are emotionally healthy, you, you will feel it. If you are emotionally unhealthy, your body will begin to display it. Your emotions affect everything. Your emotions also communicate. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 27. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. The human spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. What's going on with your feelings are actually revealing what's true of you. So what's going on with your feelings communicates something. We, my family, we went up north last weekend, and it's off-season. So snowmobiling's done, but summer stuff hasn't ramped up yet. And that means you, when you're walking around, you don't know what to expect. You have to call ahead because some places will have posted hours that are inaccurate. They, you know, if you're a small business and you're up there and you're like, well, no one's been here for two days, so I'm going home. And they just shut down shop. So we're walking around and trying to find places to eat and things to do. And we walk into this little bookstore that was open and we're wandering around in there and we're picking up puzzles to bring back to the cabin. Um, but I went into the the religious section, which had all kinds of different things. And I found this, this book and I'm so glad that I did because I don't know if Amazon would ever suggest it to me, but it's a, a book by a couple of Christian authors, Dan Allender, a counselor and Trimper Longman. And it's called a cry of the soul. And the whole premise of the book is what you are feeling is actually communicating your relationship with God. At the core of every human feeling, you are, you are revealing things that you, f you believe about God or you think about God or you relate to God in that way. So every, every feeling is the cry of the soul. And th that's true. Proverbs says so. Your spirit is the lamp of the Lord that sheds light on one's inmost being. Whatever you're feeling is actually revelatory of how you feel about God. And so we need to pay attention to these things because they are communicating to us. We need to be aware. Why do I get so angry? Why is it, I'll just give you some real-time examples. 
so you understand this this stuff is significant why is it that somebody brought up a document about church vision that another church in in town had and i got so angry that i karate chopped a hole in my garage wall where did that come from and we're giggling about it nervously right now but that's the kind of stuff that i'm talking about you have these feelings that are going on inside of you and you begin to realize well i got five years of this stuff inside of me that i've never really dealt with and so when something when there's a provocation when something just comes up and it could be so petty as to somebody recommending hey have you seen this document we should do something like that and i just want to karate chop a wall and you go okay what's going on here my emotions are revealing something about my belief in god or lack thereof my emotions are communicating the the reality of what's true about me and the same is true of you your emotions communicate so so another thing that we find out though is emotions are complex i wish it were easy to just say if you feel this way this must be going on this is your solution no emotions are very complex so even trying to figure out why you feel that way or what you're feeling even is a significant thing let me show you verse 13 of, ch of chapter 14 your emotions can be intermingled look at this even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief even in laughter the heart may ache and rejoicing may end in grief you can be experiencing two very different emotions simultaneously you you could experience tremendous joy while at the same time you also have this sorrowful heart and those can be happening concurrently those can be happening simultaneously you you can be enjoying something and lamenting something at the same time so it's complex you, you so you might feel something very strongly but you might also have a secondary emotional thing going on that might be more significant even and it's affecting your life in a more profound way it's complex then and we will need help to discern what's going on on the inside but your emotions are complex because they can be mixed up your emotions are complex because they're hidden proverbs 20 verse 5 the purposes of a person's heart are deep waters but one who has insight draws them out the what's going on on the inside it's like this it's like a a well and you look down into it and you realize i can't see the bottom i don't even see water it's just dark down there and most of us are pretty lazy so we get into conversations and we we let our bucket down a little ways and we draw it back up and we go i got nothing so i'm not sure what's going on in this person but i don't really want to do the hard work of going deep and trying to figure out if if the water is good or if it's stagnant or whatever's going on I, that's that's too much but a insightful person a wise person is willing to go deep and draw up out from that person what's really happening on the inside see emotions are complex because they're hidden and only insightful people are able to get to that level that's why we need counselors that's why we need people who can ask perceptive questions that cause us to think and evaluate and feel because we need to know what's really happening in here most of us aren't even aware and so we need that wisdom that comes from insightful people because the purposes of the human heart are deep waters but only insight can draw them out emotions are complex because they're not always right 
here's another feature about our emotions. Sometimes we get them absolutely wrong. We feel, we feel very strongly, but when we evaluate that feeling in light of what God is saying, we come to realize what I'm feeling isn't the right response. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. We're going down this path. We're feeling this feeling. We're going, oh, this is, this is the right way. This is what I ought to feel because all these circumstances point in this direction. This is what's happening in me. And then we come to find out what I intuitively do might not be right. In fact, it might lead to death. I feel this way, but maybe this isn't even the right feeling. Uh, Jeremiah, the prophet, he, he reminds us we, we had better be discerning about our feelings because our hearts are also a part of our uh, makeup that have been affected by sin. So you can't trust even your own heart because what you're feeling might not be the right expression or the right thing for that moment. Jeremiah puts it like this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You, you got a heart, but that heart may be so out of tune with the reality of what God is doing and you feel something and you just immediately react to it and you feel justified in it. But what we find out is maybe our feelings aren't right. So we had better evaluate them in light of the gospel. We had better evaluate them in light of God. And that's the, the final insight I'll share here. Emotions will be evaluated by God. What you feel will be brought into the light and God will be able to examine those things and reveal and judge those things. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 2, all a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed by the heart. God is looking not just at your activity or your speech or your, you know, things that you think, but he actually knows the desires of your heart and he cares about them. This is a consistent feature throughout the Bible. God cares not just that you would do the right thing, but that you would do the right things for the right reasons. In fact, in the Ten Commandments, which are like the codex of the entire law of God. Think about this. The Tenth Commandment is concerned with how you feel about stuff. You shall not covet. How, how would you ever prosecute that? How would you ever apply that law? Because God is saying, I care not only about the things that you're doing, I care about how you feel. I care about your insides. I care about your motives. And those things will be evaluated by God. Your motives are weighed by the Lord. Proverbs 17, 3, the crucible for silver, the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the heart. The Lord is going to look on the inside and he's going to reveal what's really going on. And he's going to show us the true condition of the soul. So we come to Proverbs and we find out the emotional life is significant. And maybe we need a lot more emphasis on that because too often we can cruise through the Christian experience without thinking about, are my emotions being conformed to the heart of Christ? I don't even know. I mean, have we ever even thought about that question before? Many of us have been in churches a long time, and maybe we've never even thought through our emotional life in relationship to Jesus Christ. That's what we're invited to do here. Well, let's look then at one particular emotion that gets a ton of airtime in Proverbs. It's the emotion of anger. And it, it, because it gets so much airtime, it's, it's a very helpful one to kind of examine and go, okay, what is it? How does it work? And how does it change? 
So let's get after it. What is it? Anger is this thing that comes out of us when we are provoked and we treat other things or other people with hostility. And it is a very dangerous thing. Proverbs 29, 22, an angry person stirs up conflict and a hot-tempered person commits many sins. Now, we're not talking about the righteous anger like we mentioned the Lord had. This is the provoked anger that says the world is supposed to bend its knee to me. And when it's not doing that, I get angry. I get blaming mad. That's the anger that's in view here. And a person who does that, if that's their MO, if they're quick-tempered and, and if they're easily angered, two things are told us here. They will experience conflict and they will commit many sins. So to have that emotional response to the world around you, if that's just your default, that's what you normally do. You get angry, you can expect these things to happen. You will have relational conflict. The people around you, you will have coworkers that avoid you. You will have people that just, when, when they see you coming, they're looking for you know a way out because you tend to leave a wake of chaos behind you because you just easily get angered by things. Furthermore, the Bible tells us you will commit many sins. By allowing anger, that free reign in your world, you will do many harmful and sinful things. So it is dangerous. Proverbs 19, 19, a hot-tempered person must pay the penalty. Rescue them and you'll have to do it again. If somebody's emotional default is to always be easily angered, hot-tempered, they're going to revert back to it. So if we're wise people and we say, hey, I want to help, I'm going to step in here, give you my thoughts. I think we should, you know, maybe go this way. And if you help them in a particular situation, but that's their default, all you've done is behavior modification for that one event. But if that's the default of their, of their heart, they're going to keep going back to it. That's what Proverbs is saying here. You will have to do it again and again. In other words, you can't just treat the behavior. You have to treat the heart. Anger is something that comes from the inside out, and we're being told here about the danger and the persistence of it. What are we supposed to do with that feeling? Well, we're told in Proverbs, we actually need to become people who can restrain that emotional response, that can rein it in, that can grab it and say, okay, not right now, not yet. I am not going to allow myself to simply react to these situations. Proverbs 14, verse 29, whoever is patient has great understanding, but the one who is quick-tempered displays folly. A wise person has the ability to become, the literal way it's said in other versions, slow to anger. Whoever is slow to anger has wisdom. Whoever, like one of the terms we use is a short fuse. There are some people, they've got this fuse on them, a spark could set it off, and then it explodes. And you don't really have the safety of, okay, I better allow this thing to be long enough that there's plenty of time before it explodes. A, a wise person has a long fuse. A wise person is looking at life going, I don't want to be the kind of person that in a moment's notice I could karate chop a hole in the wall. Right? Like, I want to build out a fuse, a, a long runway, so that I'm slow to become angry. And in fact, Proverbs says to do that, to do that is significant. 
Proverbs 16:32, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Uh, the, the literal way that it comes across is, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. In other words, God is saying it is far more impressive when you can restrain your emotions than when you valiantly take a city. It is far more impressive to God. It is better. That's the word that's used. It is better to be able to have this ability to be slow to anger than for somebody to march in with a military and take over a city. That's, that's more significant from the Bible's perspective, from God's perspective. Now, we are infatuated with it the exact opposite. We're like, we want strong leaders. We want good good decision makers, and we want these things to happen very quickly, we don't really care about the emotional condition of people around us. But the Bible is saying, no, the thing that's better is somebody who has control over their emotions, somebody who can restrain their emotions. In the New Testament, it's applied like this. James says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We get angry because the world is not doing what we want it to do. And the Bible reminds us, your anger is not going to produce what you think it will. Your anger is not going to produce that righteousness that God desires. It's, it is righteous, but it's self-righteous. You get angry because you want things your way. That will not accomplish God's purposes in the world. So brothers and sisters, listen, take note, be slow to anger. Make sure that you are paying attention to your, emotion, your emotional inner life so that you are building out a buffer between you and that anger. And sometimes that means simply this. You got to look at your life and evaluate how close am I to exploding? I got to build some margin here. I'm going to have to distance myself in some ways to make me more emotionally healthy. We, we have to make those adjustments. We have to become people who can restrain our emotions. But look at this. It, it's so wild because it tells us not just to kind of get a handle on it. It actually tells us to do something entirely different. We're supposed to not just avoid anger. We're, we're actually supposed to love. Look at Proverbs 10 verse 12. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrong. Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers over all wrongs. It's reminding us that if you respond emotionally with hatred, then that's going to create chaos. It'll, it'll result in conflict. But if you can respond with love, then that actually has a reparative feature to it. It covers over the wrongs that are occurring or Chapter 19, verse 11, a person's wisdom yields patience, but it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. A person's wisdom yields the ability to be slow to anger, that patience, and it is to your glory to overlook an offense. So what we're being told is you don't just respond by restraining your anger. You can actually begin to, to display love even to those who do not deserve it, even to those who you would say they are my enemy. In fact, that's the Christian ethic that the Lord taught in Matthew chapter 5. He said, you've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. That's normal. Here's what I say. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute. Learn to 
not not just restrain your anger, but replace it with something glorious. Love. So we're to love people. We're also, um, I mean, when I look at this, I'm just, I kind of get to a point where I'm like, how on earth could we do this? Right? Like a lot of times emotions just feel like they spill out of us. So how do we get to a place where we are restraining our emotions, where we're moderating our emotions? How do we allow our emotions to begin to reflect the heart of Christ? And then as I was looking at this issue of anger, I realized it's here for us. It's in Proverbs chapter 14. Um, It tells us how to deal with that emotion, and it is the same program that has been applied throughout the entire book. If you remember all the way back to chapter 1, we were told kind of the premise of the book in chapter 1, verse 7. It's this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you want to be a wise person, it starts with a proper relationship to God. Revering him, honoring him, thinking about him, respecting him. If you want to become a wise person, the beginning of that would be the fear of the Lord. So then we get to the issue of emotions, and it's not a whole new program. It's not like, well, that's what we did early on. Now we're moving on to something else. It's the same thing. If you want to become wise with your emotional inner life, it's the same thing. It is the fear of the Lord. Let's look at it now. Proverbs 14, it says, The wise fear the Lord and shun evil, but a fool is hot-headed and yet feels secure. A quick-tempered person does foolish things, and the one who devises evil schemes is hated. Notice the difference here. Two different kinds of people, a wise person and a fool. The wise person has a regard for God. The wise person is attentive to the reality of God. The wise person fears the Lord and therefore looks at an evil emotion or an evil activity and says, I don't want to do that. That would be dishonoring to him. I don't want to feel like that. That would actually be out of alignment with the heart of God. The fool, on the other hand, gives full vent to their rage. The fool, on the other hand, is hot-headed, blows things up, and then says, whatever. They had it coming. They made me feel this way. No regard for God, no consideration of how God would feel in that scenario. They just react, and then they feel perfectly fine in that. They feel secure. It is what it is. I mean, I was just reacting to the situation. What could I do about it? That's foolish. A wise person says, there is a God. He cares about my emotional inner life. I want that to align with the heart of Christ. So the thesis then is that the fear of the Lord would lead to healthy emotional expression, not just anger, but all of them. I would say all of our emotions need to be subjected to the fear of the Lord. If we learn to consider God, we will experience emotional health. Look at Proverbs 19, 23. It says, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. If you have the fear of the Lord, you will rest content and you will be untouched by trouble. Not that there is no trouble. That, that's ridiculous. Trouble all around you. But as you cruise through life and there's all these different things that are troubling and all these different things that are kind of coming up to you, you're no longer onboarding it and making it a part of your psychology. You're no longer making it an interior feature of you. There's trouble all around, but now you are fearing the Lord and everything about you then is coming under his consideration and you are becoming a more and more mature 
and content individual. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Here's what, here's what I'm trying to suggest. If you learn to fear the Lord, it will change how you feel. If you learn to believe the truth of who God is and what he has done in the sending of your son, there is a potential there for every emotional feature about you to be different for the glory of God. This will not be easy. It will be a lifetime of work, but this is a possibility. Anger can be restrained and replaced with love that displays the glory of God himself. Envy can be avoided. Envy and jealousy can be set aside, and instead you can be filled with peace and contentment. Cheerfulness can be a constant feature of your life because you know that God has loved you and redeemed you. If you begin to fear the Lord and apply the truth of the gospel that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, you will be emotionally steadied. Let me end with this final verse then, Proverbs 15, 15. It says, all the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. All the days of the oppressed are wretched, but the cheerful heart has a continual feast. People who learn to have their emotions aligned with the heart of Christ will experience this ongoing blessing from God, like an ongoing feast that never ends, a relationship with God that is constantly satisfying us. We're no longer so easily upset by the things around us. We feel deeply, but we're more like the Lord who feels in ways, in, in ways that are appropriate to the circumstances around us, giving consideration to the God who truly is. May our emotions come under the Lordship of Christ for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my friends in here. Pray for this church family. I pray that you would make us emotionally wise people. Help us to fear the Lord in a way that actually transforms how we feel about this world that we're living in. Help us to be honest with the things that we are feeling, Lord. They do communicate things about our relationship with you, and so I pray that you would give us the courage to do the hard work of bringing those emotions into the light, maybe surrounding ourselves with wise counselors who can insightfully draw things out from our deep hearts, and help us to, to make the necessary adjustments so that we might reflect Jesus Christ in this world. And help us to do that in a way that, that includes our feelings. We pray in his name. Amen.